0: Hi, and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast about people with remarkable stories of resilience, as well as experts in the field, along with myself, who share tips, strategies, and resources to help you power up your mental well being. You can support our work by leaving a review or donating on our site, which is at qedod.com. You can also purchase our resources, including the imaginatively titled series of books Resilience Unraveled, Leadership Unraveled. Management Unraveled and Anxiety Unraveled at qedod.com forward slash extras. Free resources are also available on that page at qedod.com forward slash extras. Enough chat, let's get started. Hey all and welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. Uh, Hopefully a fascinating episode today, Uh, a subject close to my own heart, and um, someone with similar experience to me, except um, further down the line, and got his TED talk under his belt, and the book, and the, the and the mug, Jim, the mug. That's right. Tell us all about this. So in front of me today is the um, very talented Jim Harshaw. Uh, maybe even Jim Harshaw Jr. Maybe he'll explain that later on. But first of all, good evening to you, Jim. Good evening. Great to uh, great to meet you, Russell. And you, and you, and you. Um, I can hear from the accent. You're across the pond. Uh, where in the world are you from?
1: I'm in the I'm in Virginia in the United States, and I uh, grew up in the Pittsburgh area, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but I live in Virginia, which is home of the University of Virginia, which is my alma mater.
0: Ah, okay. And uh, what is it that you do?
1: I'm a personal performance coach, primarily, also speaker and podcast host of the Success Through Failure podcast, but primarily a coach, a personal performance coach. and. Uh, my background is in sport. Uh, I was a NCAA division one, all American wrestler in college. For those in the States, you understand what the NCAA is. Division one is the largest division. Um, and I was an Olympic hopeful. Uh, so I was ranked on the Olympic level. So, uh, my background is in sport. I was a division one head coach, the youngest division one head coach in the country at one point. So, so my perspective really comes from the, the high pressure, high performance world of sport.
0: Interesting. So mine is uh, the opposite to you. So I've been in the performing arts. So I often think there's quite an interesting contrast between the the sports coach and the people like myself with the um a, slight, a slightly different approach, because in a sense your world is all about how you gear people up to peak performance once a week, once a month, once a year, whereas ours is all about how do you get peak peak performance, probably in a more routine or dull world every single day of the week. So it's, it's quite interesting to hear our different approaches. So um, so tell me about the world of wrestling and uh, how how that be, has become relevant to the world of commerce.
1: Well, uh, you know, my background, like I said, I grew up in the Pittsburgh area. I was a blue-collar kid. And I don't know if you use that term on that yeah, side yeah, of the pond or not. You yeah,
0: do? We have blue-collars, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, so I, I was a you know blue-collar kid. Dad was a construction worker. Mom was a secretary and you know, financial sort of success kind of always was for like the other people and not really for us and, and sort of grew up with a, um, uh, a mindset that, that, you know, there are, you know, others can find success at the highest level. We're going to work very, very hard and we're hardworking people, good, loyal, high character people, but really, you know, um, success was always just felt like it was just out of reach for my family. And I kind of grew up with that mindset and, um, even in wrestling, I I, you know, my goal was to win this, the state championship in high school. And I never did that. I never even actually got under the podium at all, let alone the top of the podium. And luckily I, I had good grades. I worked hard, just like mom and dad taught me, and and got to the University of Virginia, which is the number one ranked public university in the United States. And so, academically, an elite school. Uh, Wrestling-wise, again, elite wrestling in terms of the uh, NCAA Division One. But myself, I, I was not. I was not one of those uh, people who participated at the highest level. I was lucky mm-hmm. to get into the university. Uh, wrestling really opened the door for me. I had good grades, not great but good enough. Um, and I was not a great wrestler. I was good enough to kind of just get, get the door open and say, Hey, yeah, sure. You can join the team. We don't really expect a whole lot of you. Um, and so I was kind of a, uh, an underperformer compared to everybody else, both academically and athletically and even socially, it was an affluent school. Mm-hmm. And five years later, uh, I graduated with an undergraduate and a master's degree from the number one public school in the country. Okay. I, um, you know, I ended up being a three-time uh conference champion. I was an NCAA Division I All-American. Complete transformation happened there over the course of that five years. Um, through through the, the infrastructure that is in place when you're an athlete or or even in the performing arts, there's an infrastructure that's in place there that helps people maximize their potential. But you get out into the real world and you lose a lot of that. And so for me, I got it, when I left college, when I left university, I I became a coach, ended up, like I said, being the youngest division one head wrestling coach in the country. I did that for about a decade, got out of coaching, uh, started my first business and that was successful. I sold that, but I started my next business, raised some angel capital, uh, started a technology company. And about two years later, I realized that this this wasn't really going to get us where we wanted to go. And I had to shut down the business. I had a failed business. We had debt up to our eyeballs. Uh, I had a struggling relationship with my wife, to be honest, because I was so single-minded focused on this business and uh, wasn't working out. I stopped working out. I was in the worst physical shape of my life. I was really, really broken, broken at that point, Russell. And so to answer your question of how, how does really wrestling in that background relate to my business? um, What I did at that moment of, 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 you know really being broken broken, I I look back on my life and I said, what was in place when I when I went from underperformer to peak performer? Mm-hmm. You know, what was in place there, that infrastructure? And I identified there were four things. There were four things that were in place, very clearly four things that were in place then, you know, prior that that allowed me to to up my game uh, and find success despite failure and to to be resilient. And I started putting those things back in place. Um, and if you want, I, I can certainly share with you those, those four pieces of that, yes, that framework. Please. So the first one is this, I, when I was wrestling, I had a very clear vision of what success looked like, I, you know, in athletics, in performing arts, you have a clear vision of what success looks like. Yes. That's not always clearly defined in the real world. A lot of people don't take the time to really get a crystal clear vision of what success looks like for them. Yeah. So that was the first part. And, and and to be honest, that is based on the values that somebody has. Now, mm-hmm. I couldn't have stated my core values then like I can now. Yeah. But, you know, I knew I wanted to be tough. I wanted to be disciplined. I wanted to be respected. I wanted to go on to success after wrestling like so many of my heroes and mentors did. And and so that was the first of the four parts, having a vision and values. And then the second part was having goals that align with that vision and those values. Not goals that align with what we see on social media, what we see you know, in the mass media or based on what's parked in our neighbor's driveway, but having goals that were aligned with what Jim wanted and, and with what I valued. And then also not just the goals, but also what we call the micro goals. Some people call these KPIs or metrics that you're gonna track yeah. along the way. And that was the second piece of the four-part framework. And the third piece is, I had an environment of excellence. I had coaches around me, people who would would coach me, who would tell me when I'm doing things wrong, would pick me up when I needed picked up and dusted off. They would help me see my blind spots, right? So I had this environment of people around me, not just coaches, but teammates. And I had a nutritionist and a sports psychologist and a strength and conditioning coach, athletic trainer, all of these people around me. And then the the fourth and final piece is I had a plan to follow through even when things get hard, even when I get knocked off the path. And you know, in the real world, you know, cars break down, kids get sick. We go, you know, we have to take off of work for some family challenges. you know there might be a global pandemic, right? Yeah. I mean, you still have to have a plan to follow through. And I had everything. all four of those those pieces of that framework I had. And that took me from underperformer to peak performer. So I started putting these things back in place in my life mm. after this failed business, and and it changed everything. I tripled my income, and I healed my relationship with my wife. I I started spending more time with my kids. I got healthy and fit and in shape again. I mean, it was tra- it absolutely transformed my life. But the real lesson here is when I when I look around, and I've interviewed four hundred plus individuals, I've published four hundred plus uh, episodes of my podcast it's the same framework, whether you interview New York Times bestselling authors or CEOs or Olympic gold medalists or Navy SEALs, astronauts, you name it, it's the same framework is in place in their lives when people find success mm. at anything. And so that's that's my mission in the world, Russell, is to share this with as many people as possible.
0: So, so it's interesting. Um, so three of those things are about yourself and one's about the external environments. So that's not about yourself in a sense. So um, which is the most important in your view of the four, which the is the first fundamental, one. the vision? The first
1: one. Yeah. You have to have that. If you don't know what success looks like for you, and if you don't know what you truly value in life, then you can't be resilient. Then you will, when you face failure, you're not going to get up one more time every time. Yeah. Um, you're not going to know what what actions to take on, on a daily or weekly or monthly basis, you're going to be adrift. And and it's that's where most people are. Most people are adrift. Most people don't have that clarity and that consistency to execute at their highest level. You know, some people find it here and there, but you really have to have that vision and clear values. Yeah.
0: But, but just for the sake of an argument, really, um, sure. most people don't have that because they're surrounded by an environment of adequacy or averageness mm-hmm. or poorness. Sure. So, the thing is the sports environment is fuller. You're part of a tiny ecosystem. You're sort of in your you're like a little place in your honeycomb, as it were. Pretty similar sure. to mine. And then if you look at organizations, often they're quite average. And actually some of the highest performers go there and they fail because of the atmosphere, the culture within the organization. And they have val- and they have vision and they have values. They don't stick to them, but they have vision and the values. They have goals, they have KPIs, more KPIs than you can shake a stick at, and they have lots mm. of plans. But sure. they have hardwired into them an environment of failure, really. So, um, I just find it interesting that that one's because actually, in a funny sort of way, the way, I, the way I see it is that that is sort of surrounds the other three in a funny sort of way.
1: Um, yeah, I, I see these as a sort of chronological like you have to have all of them. Like, if you take out any one of those, you'll you'll fail, right? You will yeah. not, you may find success periodically, or you may have sort of fits and. In- starts, but you will not be consistently moving in the right direction. Um, So you have to, you, you can't just set the goals or you can't, you don't even know what kind of environment you need to create. What kind of coaches do I need to bring into my ecosystem? Um, What kind of language do I need? You know, there's more to the environment of excellence than just people, but people's kind of the biggest part, but, but you really don't know what to bring into that environment unless you understand what the vision is, Mm. right? So if you have that vision, you have those values, and then you're communicating them and living by them through these goals and then these, these smaller micro goals, then yeah, that next part is
0: absolutely the environment of excellence. And so, if- so so give me an example of what a vision might be. Example of a vision? Yeah. So just how come come alive for
1: people, what would be a vision? Sure, sure. So it's, it's going to be different for everybody. Of course. So you know, my vision for my life is and now we spell it out in in four different areas relationships self health and wealth all right so, so you have to go okay what it, what is the vision that i have for my life in my relationships all right my relationship with my spouse or my friends or god getting very clear on well, what does that look like what does that more importantly feel like right and and some people can go into granular detail but for the most part it's going to be somewhat of a higher level thing. This is what it's going to feel like. I'll be doing this kind of thing and spending this kind of time. And, um, but you go through this in these four areas. And, and so it's hard for me to give you a specific example um, of, course. you know, these are, these things can often be a page long, yeah. but you know, for, we encourage people to take off the guardrails, dream a little, no dream a lot yeah. and, and, and really identify what would their life look like their perfect life, their ideal life. Right, mm-hmm. creating that vision. And, and, you know, a lot of people want to start with career and that, and that's fine, but you have to really do it in all of these areas because if you're missing out on, you could have, a, you know, all the money in the world and a great career and all that. But if you don't have your relationships in alignment, then what, what's the point of having all the money? Right. Well, it's we know the way to
0: lose all your money as well as to have a poor relationship. Let's be fair. Yeah.
1: That's right. Yeah. And, and we know from the grant study, the Harvard grant study, which is the longest longitudinal study on human happiness ever. Uh, it's still going on today. It started in the 1930s. Yeah. We know that, that, that happiness and satisfaction in life comes from relationships, meaningful connections. So that's where we start in terms of the goals and in terms of the vision. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that vision is critical. Now, if you're talking to business or a company, it's different, obviously. You know, you have to have that that vision for a company and an organization as well.
0: Yes, and I think I think it's quite interesting because lots of people talk about vision as if it's something special or unique, um, and some people talk about the fact that you don't need a vision because if you have a fantasia, you can't visualize anything. So mm-hmm. that's twenty percent. Um, so I find that interesting, um, but obviously I, I understand the the point of it. Um, but you can have a very poor vision, but you can have a strong work ethic and you can head in the right direction somewhere, can't you? Uh, sure, a, a bit like yeah. You were talking about earlier, what you were actually saying, I think, was you sort of started by saying you you, you, you were sort of above average, but around that sort of level, but you worked hard. It's um, oh, yeah. as, as sort of like Gary Vaynerchuk idea, isn't it? It doesn't really matter what you do. As long as you work hard, you'll end up somewhere. Whereas if you, well, if you have people who have high vision but low work ethic, they end up nowhere else they just end up you know uh, sort of happy clappy dreamers you know sitting in a room pontificating about their vision so you're right yeah. about this this thing i just i'm just surprised in a funny sort of way that the word hard work wasn't in your four or, or five mm. for example
1: yeah so uh a couple of points here so if you are if you have the vision, but you don't have the other pieces in place, yeah, you're gonna sit in a room and be a visionary and that's great, nothing's gonna happen. Yeah. That's why you have to have the goals, the micro goals, the coach, the people around you to kick you in the rear end, to to point you in the right direction to hold you accountable. This is all part of the environment of excellence. Um, so hard work. Let me make a point about hard work. So um there's a distinction I make between hard work and inspired action. hard work, I'm sorry, work, and, hard work
0: and what? Inspired. Action and spot action. Okay.
1: And because listen, I can, you know, someone can tell me to go outside and grab a shovel and start digging a ditch and that will be hard work. Um, I, I wouldn't be really interested in doing it now. If they told me to, to work hard, um, you know, if I was, I was guided to work hard to, to live out my purpose and my vision, boy, I can, I can dig that ditch all day if that's what I have to do to achieve my purpose and, and to live out my, my vision and my values. There's a big difference there. So when I was wrestling, wrestling is, it's, it's a, it's a hard sport. (laughs) We, it's, it's not a game. Uh, You don't play it. Uh, You, you wrestle and and it's, and it's, there's a lot of pain and suffering that goes into it and that's if you're winning. And, and I, I did a lot of things. So I'll give you an example. Um, I wrestling is one of those sports where you have to make weight. There are weight classes. Now the rules have changed in the last 25 years since I last competed. But one of the things that I did. So 1998 and I had to weigh in at, uh, at at 150 pounds, two and a half days before weigh-ins I was 22 pounds over. That's what 11 kilos, 10 kilos, something like that overweight. And I lost that weight. I lost 22 pounds, 10 kilos in Two and a half days. Yeah. And and not healthy. No, extremely unhealthy. Extremely unhealthy. Let's just say to Uh, everybody,
0: that's not a thing you should end to be doing. Oh
1: no, absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. Not recommending this to anybody. I was probably should have been hospitalized, but but I made weight. Hmm. I could I voluntarily chose to put my myself through that pain and suffering. Why? Because it was in alignment with my vision. Like if you told me to do that today, I couldn't do it. I mean, I, I could do it. There, There's but a you, way I could physically do the thing.
0: But that's a lack of goals, lack of micro growth, uh, and lack of plan and lack of ecosystem to have left it to two days before to lose 10 kilograms. So what was going on there? Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, well, if you want to really dive into that, um, I had gone through a, a significant physical growth spurt at that point. Oh, right. okay. Um, and so there were other factors at play. Yeah. I had a, okay. I had an injury, so I couldn't work out quite as much as I normally had been. So I was, I was coming off of injury. My weight yeah. had gone up. Um, uh, most of that weight was water weight. So I could ring a lot of that weight out pretty quick First yeah. 10, 10 or 15 pounds came off pretty easily. Um, so yeah, to be honest, there, there were, there were, there were some things, Nobody has this perfect, right? This is always a work in progress. And back then, to be honest, I didn't know the system, the framework. Um, but there were some things out of alignment there. And and to be honest, I bumped up a week class uh, a couple of weeks later, and and so I, I made the changes necessary. But listen, we're all going to do that. We're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to have hard things put in front of us. We're going to have things that are within our control or outside of our control yeah. that happen to us that force us to pivot, to force us to make a change. And yeah. and for me. Um, I, I made, you know, I did the hard thing. I did the, it was inspired action. It was hard work, of course, right? We're, we're, it's a matter of semantics here, but it was really inspired action to get there. Yeah. Um, but here's the other thing about hard work. I was, I was the hardest worker on my team for my final three years of so four years of college. Mm-hmm. For the final three years, I was voted by my teammates and my coaching staff, the hardest worker on the team. But I still, up until my senior year, I kept failing. My freshman year, my sophomore year, my junior year, first, second, third year in college, I kept falling short of my goal of becoming what's called an all-American, which is top eight in the country in the United yes. States. And I remember after my third time trying, I'm sitting in the locker room in tears, my face buried in a towel, wondering what's wrong with me. Like, why can't I do this? Maybe I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not capable enough you know, maybe this is just isn't for me. And listen, I had the environment of excellence in place. I had all of these things in place hmm. except for the mental part. And here's the deal. So I, I set off that off season to figure out what I was missing. I didn't know. I didn't know. I thought maybe maybe I, I need to lift more weights. Maybe I have to get in better condition. Maybe I have to learn new new techniques. And so I set off the entire off season, traveling all around the country, meeting with as many coaches as I could find in order to figure out what the missing piece was for me. And I never figured it out. And it was the, the night before the very first competition, my senior year, my last year, going into the last season of my life, of my wrestling career. And it hit me in the hotel room it real, I realized I never figured it out. I never figured out what I'm missing. So in that moment I gave up, I gave up on the outcome. I gave up on becoming an all American. And I said, if that's in the cards, great. If it's not, that's fine too. All I can do is all I can do. I can do every, I can, I can put all the plans in place. I can work as hard as I possibly can. And if I achieve the outcome, great. If I don't, I, I will know that I've given everything to this sport that I possibly could have. And in that moment, when I mentally released the outcome and focused on the process, put down the baggage, the fear of failure, I was able to be more resilient. Yeah. In that senior year, I had so much fun competing. Yeah. I finally was free, just like in the performing arts. If If you go out there having a fear of having a bad performance versus going out there to to give everything you've got, knowing that you've put in the preparation, all the preparation you possibly could have, and there's nothing more you can do right now but step onto stage or step onto the mat or step onto the field of competition or or step in front of that that group to make that presentation, that sales presentation or whatever whatever it is for the listener. If you know that, if, then you can let go of the outcome and simply focus on the process. But simply funny. do the best you can do in that moment.
0: But isn't the outcome the vision and the goal?
1: Mm, that's right.
0: So you have to saying, let go of it well so basically you're saying you in, when it comes time to, go, to let this is go of it.
1: yeah that's right this is performance psychology 101 you talked to yeah. any any performance psychologist focus on the process yeah. release the outcome because you you know um stephen covey said this years ago in the seven habits of highly effective people yeah, start with the end in mind yeah start with the end in mind what is the end the end is the vision now we work backwards through the process and when it comes time to perform, when it comes time, it comes time to, to, to step on the golf course, to hit that putt, when it comes time to, to step in front of your boss and have that tough conversation about getting the raise or getting the promotion, you have to let go of the outcome and just be fully you. And so and focus and so, on the process.
0: Uh, yeah. And I get that. And, um, and it makes a lot of sense. And if you're doing a presentation or doing a speech, that's absolutely fine. Um, but if you're running an organization and what you're doing on most of the day is going to meetings, having conversations, setting strategy, uh, dealing with suppliers, all that sort of stuff, it's it's a different process. Sure. Um, and 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 so and so this is like a strategic planning process, but then you've got a you've got a, a performance process as well, which is totally different. But it's different to those four steps, really, isn't it?
1: Uh they dovetail together. The, that that is part of it. This is the the mindset piece. Um, yeah. this is part of the. <laughs> Excuse me this is part of the environment of excellence this is the yes. inner environment of yeah. excellence right and this is about the words that you say to yourself this is about the mindset that you create in order to perform your best yeah and and again it's always starting with the vision and going to the goals but then coming back to releasing the outcome and doing everything you can because listen you know so in in about, sports, there about, are bad calls you're by the referee. It's all
0: really, you? the old Chiemensky idea of flow, and that's right. You know, that's yeah, there's the exact, book right behind me. Oh, is it really? There it is. Yeah. Uh, if you think I can see that far, that's quite impressive. <laughs> uh, I'm very flattered that you think I can see that. Tiny <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's what you're actually talking about here, isn't it?
1: That's that's exactly right. So, following my career, I met with a friend of mine. He's an Olympic gold medalist, Kendall Cross. And he, we talked about that book. Yeah. He actually told me about that book, Flow, and that's the book really claims and that helped him get into a flow state to win the Olympic gold medal. Yeah. And and um, yeah, it, it's you know we have to have the vision, we have to have the goals, we also have to have the mindset, the performance mindset to to let go, because fear of failure is
0: only going to hold you back. Hmm. Well, it, it works for some people. I mean, people are often wired that way around, aren't they? They know what they don't want. They're they're very good at turning anger the wrong way around. And I've met lots of people who are, f- are very frightened and extraordinarily successful. So it's about it's about what works for the person, in a sense, isn't it? I mean, the, the risk with a framework is that it's a t- it's attempted to be applied to everybody, but mm-hmm. it's about finding the framework that sits the individual person. I would sure. like, maintain
1: yeah, well, I mean, when you look at um say, education, right? education is a is a framework. You know, in the United States, there's you know typically four years of college and and it's it's somewhat prescriptive, but at the same time, there's flexibility within that framework. There's different majors, different professors, uh, different projects you can pursue, different internships, you can pursue um, different extracurricular activities you can pursue within that framework. Uh, and this framework is is the same thing, right? Yeah. it's it is different. For everybody, everybody's vision is different, their values are different, their goals are different, their micro goals are different. Uh, what they need in their environment of excellence is different. Some are uh everybody's coming from a different place. Yeah, and and when you when you have no sort of plan or or framework, um you just don't get to the same place. Now, yeah, sure, there are a lot of people who can find a certain degree of success without a framework like this. It depends but-
0: how you define success, of course, isn't it?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. It's diff- I mean, so and again, it goes back to the happy, vision.
0: Yeah, some people are just happy muddling along and not having a vision and just enjoying their life. It's that yeah. difference between trying to find happiness and actually finding the happiest in what you do. It's like mm-hmm. the dig in the trench thing, isn't it? It's not. You don't need to purpose sure. to dig a trench. You can actually just enjoy the process.
1: That's right. And You're going to enjoy that process if it's going to be moving you towards something you want in your life, even if you haven't expressly. um Written it out as a vision, but if you're, you know, if I go to, if I told my wife to go uh, dig a trench right now, she wouldn't be very happy. But if I said, uh, let's go dig that trench because it's going to, um, oh, I don't know, uh, um, help us stop build you. a, uh, house, a, a, a garden house bed or a flower it. bed or something, oh, she might enjoy that.
0: So these are, there are negative right. reasons for doing things as well, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. No, I mean you know I totally agree with everything you're saying. I'm just there's, there's, no, there's no value in a podcast where we will sit and agree with each other. Yeah. No, so I love the I I'm love the I love to, I, um, I, and I've
1: listened to your episodes before, so I do appreciate the pushing back because the pushing back actually you're you're helping the listener who's listening to you and I talk right now. You're helping them. You're answering their yeah but question because exactly. they the listener might be saying yeah but and you're you're representing the listeners so Russell that's a that's a great way to run an interview yeah. and I do appreciate that
0: that's very kind of you um now Jim people need to know how to get hold of you find out more about you find out information about the podcast and your um coaching program so uh, tell me a little bit about all of that
1: sure uh the the podcast is success through failure published over 400 episodes now with that's um, again navy Navy, thank you. Uh, Navy SEALs, world, you know, world class performers, Olympic medalists, you name it. Um, and and then, uh, if anybody wants to have a, a free one on one coaching call, you can go to my website, which is Jim Harsha, Harshaw, H A R S H A W Junior, Jr. So Jim Harshaw Junior. dot com slash resilience and so we're going to have a specific page don't just Russell for your listeners if they go to slash resilience um, they can find a way to they can look at my calendar grab a time 30 minutes so we can have a conversation about how this framework applies to your life uh or if you're not quite ready for that and you just want to sort of listen to some episodes maybe get access to the action plans from these episodes we'll have those right on that page as well jimharsshire slash resilience you can find me on any social media platform as well just just google my name
0: what a what a pitch that was brilliant! I love that. I was such a such an inspired way to do it. And you have got a TED talk, so you know don't hide your head in the bushel. I mean that's worth listening to. And that's all about. Um, uh, I mean, you see the thing is, what's fascinating is I thought you were going to talk a lot more about failure, and perhaps you, perhaps perhaps that's my bad there. But I'm a real believer in um, about learning. So it doesn't really matter whether you learn from success or from failure, but some people learn better from failure. Some people learn better from success. And I think it's actually vital that you do more. So is there a specific one of your podcasts you could point people to about the whole concept of learning from failure?
1: Um, not, not off the top of my head. I do bring it up in every conversation that okay. I have, whether it's cool. a solo episode with myself, uh, or an interview episode with, a uh, Tim Ferriss or Ken Blanchard or Jack Canfield, they all, you know, we, we, we talk about failure and, and really the crux of, of my belief here in this framework that I shared is that you can endure failure. You can be resilient and if you have a clearly defined vision and identified your values and you have this uh, these aligned goals and this environment of excellence, we understand that in sports, you can fail and get up and keep going. Yeah. We have that infrastructure built in place. We have to have that in the real world too, because failure happens. And when you don't have that infrastructure, you don't have that framework, you end up lowering your goals, settling for less, and, and finally lifting your head up one day, looking around and going... Gosh, I thought I'd be further along at this point.
0: Well, uh, not having failure means you're not taking risk, which means you're not doing any um, really useful action because you have to fail. Otherwise, you're not taking you're not really actually doing anything at all. Failure is yeah. a natural part of life. Maybe it has been parented out of uh, a couple of generations at the moment, probably, but our generation's failure enough. We've not taught, taught our kids how to fail enough. We've not set them strict, strict, strict enough tasks, hard yeah, enough challenges. My, my-
1: my TEDx talk is called Why I Teach My Children to Fail.
0: Yeah. It's so important, isn't it? We have to, we have well, we can't become adults unless we've learned how to fail because we live in a happy land of childhood um naivety otherwise, don't you?
1: That's right.
0: Great. Jim, it's been a delight to meet you. It's been a, actually, actually really enjoyed listening to you. You've got a fantastic speaking voice. I really enjoyed listening to it. And um, thank you, Russell. Thank you so much for spending time with us this evening. It was my honor. You take care. Hi, thanks for listening. Hopefully that was a useful and interesting episode. As I said earlier, you can support our work by leaving a review, which does drive enhanced exposure, or you can donate on our site, which is at qedod.com. You can purchase our series of books all about unravelling resilience, leadership, management, and anxiety at qedod.com forward slash extras, along with some other free resources available on the site. We've also got a Patreon page and you, of course, can send us questions, ideas, thoughts, conversations and fresh subjects at info at qedod.com. Hopefully there's something there for you. Catch you next time around.